All right, we are on session three, the key to contentment. Yes. We know what keys are for, right? Yes, open. So it's good to have a key, isn't it? Yes. yes. When you have a key, you know you can get into somewhere. Yep. Uh, so let's look at page 34. <clears throat> Page 34, the session three, the key to contentment. <laughs> Just don't go out and buy it after church. <laughs> okay. All right, uh, we, as usual, we begin with question number one. What makes you feel especially content? Miranda can answer that. Ooh. <laughs> 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 Retirement. <laughs> especially content. Notice the key word is especially. Especially content. Especially content. <laughs> there are a lot of things that make us content. A lot of things that make us content. But what makes you especially content? Your relationship with God. Your relationship with God. Okay. Anybody else? Retirement. Retirement, okay. Okay, well let's look at Bible Beats Life and see what that says today. Come on, want to take that? True contentment comes through Christ alone. That's the point. The passage for the Philippians 4, verse 10 through 20. Life has many stages. When you look back at the various life stages, there seems to be a pattern. Whatever stage you were in, you were eager to move to the next one. You couldn't wait to get to high school, but once you were there, you couldn't wait to graduate. Yeah. You couldn't wait to get to college, but it didn't take long before you were eager to move to a career in the real world. You couldn't wait to get married, but soon you began talking about starting a family. You landed a jo the job you wanted, but before long you set uh, you set our heights on another job, sight on another job, another position, or retirement. Each stage offered some degree of contentment, but you still had a yearning. Your heart longed for more. Maybe it's still the same for you. If you are not careful, your heart can live in discontentment. The Apostle Paul knew what it was to live a life of highs and lows to have much and to be in need. As situations in his life changed, his contentment did not. In Philippians 4, Paul gave the secret to being content, regardless of your current situation. Okay, so if we are not careful, we can live in discontentment. And believe it or not, there are many Christians today who are living in discontentment, and they don't realize that they know something is wrong, but they just can't put their finger on it. But the key is that, the point is they're living in discontentment. What is the point today? Christ alone. Christ alone. Now for some people, they add some things to Christ. But true contentment only comes through Christ alone. Life would be simpler if we didn't have to think about paying bills or taxes, wouldn't it? Oh, yes. Yeah. Or at least, if we had more money, we wouldn't worry or feel stressed, right? 
more. Yeah, many people have money and they're stressed about how they're going to spend it. Yes. And how to get more. Yeah. Uh, that seems logical, but such contentment does not come from our buying balance. It begins in our hearts. The Apostle Paul knew this from experience, and he gave us the secret to being content regardless of our finances. Some people only can feel content when the bank account looks healthy. But when it becomes sick, they have issues. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we go through the study today, reveal to us the true source of contentment and help us to grasp it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's look at, we have a couple of passages to look at. First one is Philippians 4, 10 to 11. But before that, let me give you the sentence. Yeah, 10 to 14. Let me give you the setting. The church at Philippi had sent Paul a gift to support him in his missionary work. Epaphroditus delivered the gift, but he got terribly sick in the process. Paul took care of Epaphroditus until he recovered, then sent Epaphroditus back to Philippian to the Philippian Christians with a letter in which Paul expressed his joy over their gift and his contentment in Christ. We refer to the letter as the Epistle to the Philippians. And that's what we're going to look at today. So who want to take the first one? Philippians 4, 10 to 14. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly because once again you renewed your fear for me. You were in fact concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know both how to make things with little, and I know how to make with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Still, you did well by parting me with you in my hardship. Okay, someone else want to take the passage? It's great to stay our faith and God takes care of us and such a that we can be able to explain as the will of God. We are to discern and we see and provide no one else can be credited. Sometimes I pass I pass since the last time the Philippians were able to help God. They cared for him and he was doing but they lacked the opportunity to show perhaps they wanted a well or a new or what they might have they don't know they, they do know that when opportunity opportunity will to say this that all 
all this gift came from the Philippines very well, and they he moved on many hands of colleagues behind this promotion, but Paul rejoiced in the world he did. His times was to the one who was in the hand of him, and who moved the church to care and the land. Even as Paul time time came for their concern for him, he let them know he would be fine with or without their financial support. The Apostle Paul was no stranger to the trials of life that could help. This is because this contentment He had been in prison five times with 39 lashes, being in the courts, three times and face death. Multiple dangers. Second Athletes like to Paul were striking as if it were willing to help them make a really short grand slam in these four. People like to call this holding a hot job interviews or jumping times while the Satan should seek in all circumstances. The point of this place is that, however, our circumstances change, we can be content because of Christ. Okay, thank you, ladies. Sister Nancy, Sister Esther, for reading those passages for us. Uh, the church at Philippi was very was a very generous group of people who had blessed Paul, uh, who had blessed, who had been blessed tremendously by Paul's ministry. Uh, since he started it, and they wanted to support him in his calling and uh, and his challenge to take the gospel to the Gentiles, and so uh, that was the 
the impetus for this gift. Paul's heart overflowed with joy. Look at verse 10 again. Notice what verse 10 says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly because once again you renewed your care for me. You were in fact concerned about me but lacked the opportunity to show it. So here we see Paul's heart overflowed with joy because of the concern of the Philippian Christians uh, that they had shown for him. They had been able to renew their support for his mission effort once again. The renewal came by way of a gift they had enlisted Epaphroditus to deliver. Uh, Chapter 2 verses 19 to 30 uh, records that event. Earlier they supported Paul's ministry as recorded in 2 Corinthians 8, 1-6, Philippi is in Macedonia. However, quite a bit of time had passed since the last time they had contacted him due to circumstances that was beyond their control. They got themselves in situations where they just couldn't do anything, they were overwhelmed, and uh, they couldn't uh, make any contact with Paul, but now they had an opportunity to do so. The situation had changed and their connection with him had blossomed once again. When the Philippian Christians reconnected with Paul, he was in Rome awaiting his opportunity to appear before Caesar, recorded in Acts 25, 1-12. He lived there for two years under house arrest. Remember that? Paul was under house arrest for two years, Acts 28, 30. The church's gift turned out to be a remarkable blessing for him. His heart burst with joy because of what the money represented. Not because of what it could do, but what it represented. It signified the church's eagerness to care for him. With the gift, he had been blessed with the assurance they were still concerned about him and had no way of, no way of demonstrating it until now. Ever found yourself in a situation like that? You wanted to do so much for somebody, but you just didn't have the opportunity to do it. And then finally that opportunity came. And the person showed tremendous gratitude as Paul did. Okay, Paul had arrived at the place where he could be satisfied under any condition that he find himself, found himself in. How many of us have been there? I am there. Amen. Amen. He, 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 his contentment portrayed itself in the form of self-discipline. The secret. Pagan religious and philosophers promoted the notion that spiritual secrets existed. And uh, you hear, whenever you hear people talking about uh, the secret this and the secret plan, and God revealed this secret, uh, be wary of that. Uh, because pagans, uh, uh, religions and philosophies were were known for those kinds of expressions. It's possible to discover secrets about life, but only the most elite, refined thinkers could uncover them. They eluded ordinary people, and that's what the religious philosophers taught, and they spread that far and wide. Paul had learned about being content in changing circumstances. He wanted to share the secret with his Philippian friends. And so Paul was genuine with regards to his secret. But notice how the Lord was secret about Paul's, how how the Lord was, was the secret of Paul's strength. 
Paul's reliance on Christ made all the difference in the world. In fact, that was the only difference that made the difference. Paul's reliance on the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ helped him, Christ helped replace distress with contentment. The Lord gave him strength he needed to endure adversity. Notice how he talked about what he had gone through. You saw that list, that catalog? In the passage that we read, he had been imprisoned, whipped five times with 39 lashes. Calm down. Five times, and each of those five times was 39 lashes. That's a lot of beating. That's a lot of beating. Beaten with rods three times. Faced death, multiple dangers. Caught in 2 Corinthians 11. And then Paul often went hungry without food. He knew what it was like to sleep in the cold. Yet he could say, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I found myself in. What does that mean? It means that in all of those circumstances that we read there, he didn't gripe, he didn't complain, he didn't grumble and mumble about why me. Why the fellow down the road who's doing all this wickedness and evil, why couldn't he get some of this? No, he never complained. And so Paul, uh, the Lord gave him the strength he needed to endure adversity. And Paul's contentment clearly came from his reliance on Christ alone. What's the point again? True contentment comes through Christ alone. And that's where Paul found his contentment. His true contentment uh, clearly came from his reliance on Christ alone. Uh, Question number two. Why is God's strength a necessary ingredient for contentment? Because we are, in truth, we are helpless. And we could do nothing without Him. You're right. Okay. Because in truth, we're helpless and we can't do anything without Him. True. Next, we will hear the story of his of this church and its support for Paul. Let's look at the next passage that we have, verses fifteen to eighteen. Who want to take that one? Philippians four fifteen to eighteen. And you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. But even in Thessalonica, you sent gifts for my for my need several times. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. But I receive everything in full, and I have an abundance. I am fully supplied. Having received from Ephroditus, would you provide it? A fragrant offering, and an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. Paul expressed gratitude for the way the Philippian church supported him. In fact, it was the only church in Macedonia that did so. He was grateful they believed in God's call on his life and contributed to the cause of spreading the gospel. This is a reminder that our churches should be leading the charge in supporting missionaries and church planters who have forsaken all for the great cause of spreading the gospel. Each church planter and missionary should be able to echo the words Paul wrote you sent gifts for my need several times. Paul had some hard days in Macedonia, 
He suffered physically in Philippi, Acts 16, 16-24. He met opposition spreading the gospel in Thessalonica that ultimately led to his departure, Acts 17, verses 1-10. through No wonder he was so grateful for a church that skipped by him during these times. Although it was from a distance, Paul felt the Philippians' support. The generosity of the church in Philippi remains a model for the church today to emulate. Christians should be known as people of generosity, especially when it comes to spreading to the spreading of the gospel. We should be known as people who encourage and bless others. Through Paul's ministry, he had spread the gospel and helped to start many churches, but only Philippi reciprocated and supported him when he needed it. Paul mentioned this fact without a hint of complaint. He focused on giving thanks for what was done instead of complaining about what was not done. We are blessed to be a blessing in return. God has not only given to us so that we may be provided for, but he wants us to have the opportunity to be a provision for others. The American dream is to accumulate while the gospel of Christ compels us to receive and give. We should all live as missionaries on this earth with the desire to spread the message of Christ, understanding that all we have is for Him and the advancement of His gospel. In the end, we, we will stand before our Father and we will be held accountable for how we lived our lives. 1 Corinthians 3, 12-15 and 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. We must be careful that we don't get caught up in accumulating and forget to support the cause of the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 18-20. To save is wise. To be a good steward is biblical. But to accumulate to the point of neglecting the spread of the gospel is ungodly. Live so that you leave a legacy of being a blessing to many. Okay, very good. Notice verse 15. Paul says, And you Philippians, know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. So here uh, Paul is reflecting on his relationship with the church at Philippi and he elaborated on the unselfish way the congregation supported him in his early work. Their partnership with them had quite a history. It went all the way back to the time when Paul responded to the Macedonian call. Remember that? On his way to Philippi to preach the gospel of Christ there, Acts 16. The first 13 verses talks about that Macedonian call that Paul received and, and, and how he responded. In Philippi, Lydia gave her life to Christ, as did the Philippian jailer and his family. You see those verses recorded in, in chapters 14 to 34 of Acts 16. When Paul determined he needed to leave the region of Macedonia, the Philippian church supplied him with the resources to use as he continued to preach the good news of Christ wherever he went. And so this church, he has rich history with this church. Uh, it goes all the way back uh, to that uh, original call. Uh, they gave because they considered themselves partners in Paul's missionary effort. By sharing with them, they demonstrated what true fellowship meant to them. True fellowship meant receiving from Paul the good news about Christ. It also meant receiving instruction in discipleship, which required Paul to devote himself fully to their spiritual growth. 
However, it meant something else too. It meant giving as well as receiving. Believers in Philippi wanted to give to Paul's ministry, missionary work, so others could have the opportunity to hear the gospel. Giving to Paul's work actually set them apart. And that's what we do when we give to missions. We're doing what the Philippian believers, Christians did. We can't go, but someone else is gone, and we can assist them. We can give. And so we see a tremendous example here uh, for us to follow and the believers at uh, Philippi. Question number three. Can you share a time when someone's generosity overwhelmed you? When I was in school, university. Hmm? When I was in university, when your family in? took me in, made me a member of their family. Okay. Okay. Good. Anybody else? Someone's generosity time and someone's generosity overwhelmed you. It just knocked your socks off. <laughs> or your patios or whatever. <laughs> Anybody else? Yeah, my wife. Uh huh. Yes, that's it. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, Cliff. I coming back to Calvary. Coming back to Calvary once again. All right. Okay. Okay. As time moves along, next we will make it. Paul. Paul. Paul will make it clear. God is the source of provision. The one who meets our needs. Uh, all of our needs. So, yes. verses 19 to 20. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be, glo be glory forever and ever. Amen. And my God will supply all your needs. What a promise. The Philippians had helped Paul in his time of need. They supported him and sacrificed him. They gave out of a heart of generosity and a love for the gospel. They could do so freely because God would take care of them. Living with simplicity rests in the truth that God takes care of us. That wonderful promise gets even more wonderful when we see that God supplies what we need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Our God has unlimited resources and riches. Our God is the creator of the universe, the one who owns it all. Our God is not poor, in debt, or low on resources. He lacks absolutely nothing. His resources are unlimited. So we can rest in the truth that when God provides, he provides abundantly. This is not the false promise often proclaimed in the prosperity gospel. We can't just name whatever we want and claim it. That indeed is a false gospel. God is not a genie who is here to answer all our commands. Flood our accounts with money and fill our homes with every possession we desire. God can certainly do that with his unlimited resources, but our contentment comes to resting in him, not in an abundance of stuff. He provides what we need. Living a life of simplicity rests in this truth. While we might acknowledge that truth, our human nature, our sinful human nature, always wants more. We often do just pray for our needs. We seek after our wants. Having all our material desires met won't make us any happier or more content, even though our sin nature will try to convince us otherwise. God will meet our needs, and he will often do it in 
unexpected ways. To the Ephesian church, Paul described God as him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Ephesians 3 and 20. Trusting God means trusting him to provide and we trust him to provide in his timing and in the way that is best for us. I have been praying for my atheist father to receive Christ as his Lord and Savior, but it hasn't happened yet. I desperately want this to happen. I've asked and prayed. I will continue to trust God to answer my prayer. God knows what we need. He knows when to give us what we need. He promises to supply our needs. Let's trust him to provide. Okay. Uh, tremendous passage of scripture that we often quote a lot, don't we? Yes. My God. But notice uh, some, some detailed explanation on verse 19. Paul says, my God, not our God. My God. My God. Paul had learned to trust the Lord completely to be with him and to provide for him. And that's why he could say, my God. And then he noticed the word supply. The Lord would furnish them with everything necessary for their work to be successful. God is the one who makes it successful, yes. not the individual. And then notice he says riches. Uh, we, hear, we think of all kinds of things when we hear that word riches, right? <laughs> Paul affirmed the resources would not come from the source that had limits. It wouldn't be like a checking account that constantly ran the risk of being overdrawn because of a paltry account balance. These resources would come from riches. A descriptive term, the word called to mind, a wealth of resources that could never, ever, ever, ever be depleted. Yes. Never runs out. And that's the point that Paul wants to make, uh, wants to get across to us uh, in these verses when he, make, when he makes that, that expression. Uh, question number four. How have you experienced God supplying your needs? There's only him you have to turn to. Okay. Anybody else? How have you experienced God supplying your needs? You're Ever had needs supplied when you had no explanation for how you got it? Yeah. yeah. That's God. Yeah. That's God. When something happens and uh, you have provisions met and the only you can say was, wow, God. Yeah. God works in mysterious ways, we often say. Okay, our time is... Basically gone here. But let's look at um, question number five first. Um, what do you appreciate about Paul's attitude expressed in these verses? That God knows your every need. That God knows your every need? Okay, anybody else? That I didn't have, didn't make no difference to him. Okay, very good. Okay, um, engage. Uh, what do you think so many... No, why do you think so many people are discontent? They don't know what they want. They haven't found satisfaction. They haven't found contentment or satisfaction. Greed. Hmm? Greed. Greed? Okay, yeah. Focusing on the wrong things. Right. Focusing on the wrong things, okay. Are you more or less content than you were two years ago? Why? 
more content because you realize that God gives you a piece of contentment. Okay. More content now than I was back then. Okay. And that would be because of? Because of what? The question is why? Trusting to give you peace of mind and to be content. Okay, growth, right? Yeah, Yeah, the older I get, the more the things of this world you see, they are fleeting. Yes, they don't last. They don't last. They're really gone. Okay, they're here today and gone today. That's right. That's a good thought because when I really think about life, now it's a very good thing. Now I realize this. They don't have the same value. It's fleeting. It's fleeting. How would total contentment in your circumstances actually change those circumstances? Rely on the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. Rely on Him. Okay. Sorry, say rely on the Lord Jesus Christ totally. Yes, totally and completely. Okay. All right, let's look at, uh, live it on page 43. Uh, a life of simplicity finds contentment in Christ alone. How can you live out that truth? Consider the following suggestions. Choose contentment. Evaluate your heart for signs of discontentment. Ask yourself, am I trusting in the money more than G- in Jesus? Do money and possessions bring me more joy than Jesus? Can I really say, Christ is all I need. And secondly, choose to trust. Make a daily decision to allow circumstances determine how content you will be in this life. Sorry, let me read that again. Make a daily decision not to allow circumstances determine how you will be, how content you will be in this life. Memorize Philippians 4, 12 to 13 to remind you simply to trust Christ for all things. In any of and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need, I am able to do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Memorize that verse. And then thirdly and finally, choose to give. Give your time, talent, or treasures. Sometimes the cure for discontentment is to give to others. Find those with needs and give to them. Let God use you as his answer to their prayers. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for the power, strength, and resources you graciously provide to us each and every day as your children. Bless us now as we leave this building, but not your presence. Continue to get glory for, for yourself. By our obedience, we pray. In Jesus' name, and all God's children said, Amen. Amen.